0: Hello, what's going on? It is Doug Cunnington and this is The Doug Show. In this episode, we will be talking about deep work. And this is part three of the productivity series. There are four parts and the next one will be on prioritizing. Just like the other two episodes in this series, my wife and I are discussing the topic. So it makes it a little bit more uh, interesting to go back and forth, I hope. And uh, we also get to hear a clip from uh, one of my favorite movies and books, The Shining by Stephen King. So that's at the end. And don't worry, it's it's actually relevant to the episode in a weird way. And kind of goes to prove that you can relate almost anything to something else if you try hard enough. And uh, I guess a little background I can mention around The Shining and maybe one reason why I like it so much. Um, I remember watching, I, I like scary movies a reasonable amount. When I was a kid, I was probably like maybe 10 or 12, something like that. I saw The Shining for the first time and I don't think I really understood much of it by the way, at the time. But over time, uh, I have figured out a little bit more And one or two cool things around The Shining. Uh, number one, um, when Stephen King was inspired to write the book, he stayed at a hotel uh, called The Stanley in Estes Park, Colorado. I worked in Estes Park, Colorado, uh, or I rather I live there, I guess, um, while I worked in the Rocky Mountain National Park for two summers back in the early 2000s. And that is kind of cool because that's, well, that was the first time I was out in Colorado. And that town is only I think it's like an hour from where we're living now and just in general that was sort of like my introduction to the Rocky Mountains which I've now lived in this zone for a few years so that's pretty cool the Stanley Hotel is a it's a pretty nice hotel they've been doing some upgrades and some cool stuff in the last couple years but uh, even in the early 2000s it it was interesting to uh, go check it out they have, um, and I think I think it's like a hundred years old, something like that. No, no, it was built in like nineteen oh seven, so it's a little bit older than that. But the point is, it's an old historic hotel, supposedly haunted, and Stephen King stayed at that hotel. Um, I think it was like a couple days or the week that they were closing up for the winter. Uh, I guess this would have been like in the early to mid seventies or so. And he and his wife stayed there, and basically it was, like, them and the hotel staff that was getting it ready to, like, close up for the winter. So, anyway, very cool, like, story. And then later on, um, like, in the last few years, uh, I read The Shining, which is a, you know, Stephen King's books are kind of long at times but uh great book and it's it's interesting because the movie uh, is, is pretty different from the book and they just have sort of a different path that they take um so i don't want to reveal anything even though the book and movie have been out for like you know 40 plus years but anyway if you're looking into it uh you should check it out so I'm just rambling on and on at this point, so I'm just going to send it over to the discussion on deep work. We're talking about deep work today and focusing on stuff. Are you a good uh, focuser?
1: You say I am. am I, think I?
0: You're, I think you're pretty good at it.
1: I think you've actually said exceptional
0: <laughs> you exceed expectations oh, fair enough. for, uh, yeah, you're focusing. And I think, um, the reason why I say that is I know that either when you're working or even if it's on a project at, at home where it does require like, um, you know, focus, basically it looks like you're able to focus for a lot longer than most other people and like keep distractions out. And I think it's, it's gotten harder since we started working with uh, social media and then smartphones and the prevalence of email and all that stuff. But I know that you could focus pretty well just from my observation.
1: Thank you. How about you? What, well, hold on. What does deep work mean? What does that mean?
0: Well, really just focusing on some sort of a complex, uh, you know, thing. For a while, usually it's sort of a block of time. There's a book by uh, Cal Newport, which is sitting right in front of us, and we'll reference a lot of that. If you haven't read the book, you should uh, you know pick it up. It's very interesting. There's a lot of studies and data that help you, you know, I guess believe that deep work is really important. And so that's sort of our loose working definition. You know, focusing on something that requires concentration for you know some period of time. Okay. So I think one thing we can, uh, I guess, talk about is multitasking, which is sort of like the opposite of deep work. And I know when I had my corporate job, people talked about multitasking all the time. Uh, Mainly, they just meant they weren't paying attention to the meeting we were in or whatever. They'd say, hey, sorry, I was multitasking, meaning they were looking at their email or they were on another meeting at the same time, which basically meant, you had to waste time and repeat what was already said. And, you know, usually that person got distracted from what they were doing. And there's a couple studies that um, we could reference and uh, I'll read one out.
1: I thought multitasking was supposed to be a good thing. I think I remember growing up and people would be like, you've got to multitask. Like that's how you're efficient. Do you remember that?
0: I do remember that. And Computers multitask. They're really good at multitasking because, uh, you know, going back to my computer engineering days, like a computer is like dealing with zeros and ones and making like discrete decisions, but we can't do that. We're not computers. And computers were able to uh, basically multithread and multitask, um, on different tasks to be redundant. They were able to multitask. Um, And do, you know, two things at the same time in between like the clock cycles. So they were like doubling their throughput because they could process more than one thing when other data was processing um, elsewhere on other chips or something like that. Really bad description, but people can't multitask well. And in fact... There was a 2009 study by Sophie uh, Leroy, or Leroy, I'm not sure, (laughs) Sophie Leroy, um, a business professor at the University of Minnesota, and she demonstrated that switching tasks from A to B um, our attention stays attached to the first activity, which means you could only half focus on the second. And that obviously hurts your performance. Her experiments utilized two groups. Group A worked on a word puzzle until she interrupted them to go um, read resumes and make a hypothetical hiring decision. And group B got to finish their puzzles before moving on to the resumes. And in between the tasks, uh, Leroy would give a quick test to see how many keywords from the puzzles were still stuck in the participant participants' minds. And as you can imagine, Group A was much more focused on the puzzle and therefore less focused on the task of hiring. So the long and the short of it is that multitasking isn't good for productivity, especially when it's really important to be effective.
1: I don't know. Reviewing resumes, you're just messing with someone's life, right? Why would you need to focus on (laughs) that? (laughs) Right.
0: And and you can imagine, I mean, that was in in an experiment and all that stuff. But that was pretty controlled. Now we have, you know, if you have a laptop or a computer that you're working on and then you have a phone with like a bunch of different apps, constant distractions will be coming in. Even if it's something fun, like we have our dog Georgie on Instagram and we uh, post pictures and it's, you know, it's fun, right? It's a fun little distraction. Georgie gets to participate a little bit. Um, but basically we'd, we'd ended up We ended up with all these notifications just constantly bombarding us. So I turned off. um, Actually, at this point, my phone's on do not disturb 24 hours a day. And I only accept calls or text messages from anyone like in my favorites, which it's family members, basically. So I'm I'm really trying to get rid of the distractions because they really bogged me down.
1: Yeah, I remember, um, I guess, We'll get a little bit more into deep work and, and what it is and how to do it. But um, I remember when I first started working, I, I don't know, I think I was surprised at the hours that some of the executives kept and how they would stay until 6.30 or 7, stay later in the day. But as I progressed in my career, I, I figured out the secret of that. And um, actually, the reason they stay late is maybe not because they have too much work to do or um, because, you know, they necessarily want to, but that is the best time of the day to be productive because everyone else is gone and they don't have the distractions of, you know, their teams and the meetings and people like bombarding them all the time. And so, you know, when you are in one of those cycles of work, I have also often heard, you know, people I work with, they'll come in on the weekend and they're like, in three hours, I was able to get more work done than I did all week because they were able to have that focus time without the distractions of everything else.
0: Yep and I I kind of like the morning period um versus the evening cuz in the evening you know some people would work later and could distract you but uh in the morning usually it's like a ghost town now that sort of stuff has kind of gone away with like remote working and the time zones uh sort of overlap so I know while I, like towards the end of my like uh corporate gig I ended up you know, the day would start much earlier because there were, you know, other people in other time zones who were already up and then it would last longer um, depending on where you were located because of that. But but yeah, the, that's a great point. And, and actually, it reminds me, there was a mentor of mine who um, he had... <laughs> He had a really rough stretch. He was working on uh, long projects and ended up, you know, working like, you know, 80, 100 hour weeks is at least that's what he would say. And Elizabeth, you and I have talked like you really can't work that many hours in the day. You can't like really get anything done. He was really spending his time sending emails and on meetings that. He would just sit on the phone in meetings just in case, like not actually doing anything productive. The point being, really, you can only do a few hours of like deep work. You have to do some other like lower intensity activities. Email is a good example. So what I, we're getting kind of into the tactics a little bit, but we'll break it down more later. I mean, I will usually try and do a piece of like the quote deep work maybe only a couple of times a week. And then uh, later in the afternoon, that's when I'll do email, or at least I'll try my best to save the sort of activities that don't need a lot of concentration for later in the day. That way I could just more quickly get through those and save my brain power for for the earlier part of the day.
1: All right, so if you're one of those people out there that thinks you might – Struggle with deep work and distractions. How do we do it, Doug?
0: There are a couple uh, approaches that Cal Newport talks about in deep work, and we'll talk about those four. But the core of any of them is to like eliminate distractions. And there are some apps that you could put on your laptop to like turn off internet access for however long you want. I think there's one called Freedom, and you could say. You know, I want 90 minutes of freedom and internet access turns off. Like there's not a way to turn it back on, I think, um, unless, yeah, you know what? I don't know how to get through it. But mm-hmm. the, the point is it turns off internet access. And then if you're thinking, hey, what if I have to do research? Just take a note and you could look it up later. But the point is you're disconnected and you won't get distracted. Another tactic I, I heard from uh, Neil Strauss, uh, like a New York Times bestseller, he has his wife um turn on the parental controls on his <laughs> uh on his machine and he doesn't know the password so he only has internet access at you know whatever like uh from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. and he he was saying he never answered emails so quickly. Like you, you get through what you have to when you have like one hour to get it done. So that's a really effective way to prioritize because you only hit the most important stuff.
1: That sounds pretty extreme. It sounds like he can't be trusted. He's got to be pass like locked out.
0: Yeah. And he, yeah, he was like, I don't know the password. So if there's an emergency, I have to like find my wife to like (laughs) unlock it. But I mean, that's, that's effective. And I can't remember if it was Neil Strauss also, but, um, you know, one thing you could do, put your phone on airplane mode. I think I've heard some people like put it in a box in another room across the house. So it's like super inconvenient to go over to get it. Um, or in another, another spot in your office or something like that. That way, like you're not going to pick up your phone and like go over to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever uh, may be distracting you. So that's like the core of some of the ideas. Do you have any like sort of high level tips before I go over the four methods here?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't want to step on your toes because I don't really know the methods, but um, I was doing a little research and creating a plan was um a big thing that they said you know you can't really deep work if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish which makes sense having and um like having a specific goal in mind you got to know what you want to do um yeah those i think that's maybe where i'm really good i'm good at planning out my time and I know what I need to get done. You know, some would say I'm too good. Doug once said the most annoying thing about me was my excessive planning. But maybe that is, maybe that's why I I can focus.
0: Right. And I think you know, there's a time and place for all that planning. <laughs> so maybe when you're on vacation, you want to have a little bit more uh, spontaneity.
1: But then how, we'll save
0: that for later. But then,
1: how will you know you're having as much fun as you possibly could?
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to schedule the fun in there. We should be
1: having more fun right now. Yes, yeah, the time, you're having the time of your life. And before Doug goes into the tactics, if um, talking about the problem with distractions, we'll put this in the show notes. There's a great scene in The Shining, um, which we just watched over the. Halloween season, also known as October. Scary movie month for us. But there's a great scene in The Shining where Wendy comes in and distracts Jack while he's trying to write. And um, it doesn't go very well. And he gives her a nice little speech about it. So.
0: All right. Let's get into the four ideas that Cal Newport lays out in Deep Work. Again, go check out the book if you want to get like all the, uh, the details behind it. The first one he talks about is the monastic, monastic approach here. And that is like a monk, you could imagine. So you eliminate all distractions and you just kind of buckle down again, like Elizabeth said, for all of these, you, you need to know what you're working on. You can't just, um, uh, like eliminate all distractions and then try and do any of these and you, you're still going to have trouble if you don't know what you're supposed to work on. So Do you, we'll go through them all and then we'll sort of say like what we think we end up doing. So, monastic is first. Uh, The second one is bimodal. So, that idea is around clearly defining like a long period of time to do the work and then the rest is generally free. And you can sort of like fill in with those lower intensity activities that don't require as much concentration. So, you can kind of think of that as, you know, maybe you do. One or two days a week, where you're really focusing on like deep work, and then the rest of the time is you know less structured. Number three is rhythmic, and that is blocks of times, maybe like 90 minutes at a time, and then you take a break for a little while um, before you go back and do another 90 minute block. Of course, 90 minute is arbitrary; you could pick however much time you want. Um, The other portion that's important is to like track it with a calendar so you know um you're hitting, you know, whatever 4 days a week where you're doing these blocks for you know 4 hours a day or something like that to give you 3 hours of work. Last, number 4 is the journalistic approach. And this one is like a uh like a reporter, right? A, a journalist, they are on like tight time constraints. They work whenever they they can and I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but like reporters and anyone working at a newspaper, you don't get writer's block because you have to write um, to get it to your editor so that you can publish on a deadline. So they're just used to having like being able to produce and that's that's the word right They don't they don't really get writer's block because they don't have time to procrastinate. So those are the four. Um, what, uh, approach do you think you have?
1: I am the third. What was that again? Rhythmic. Yes. I'm a rhythmic deep worker. Cause I find it to be kind of draining. Like if you actually really are focusing and concentrating, um, on a task and giving it your full attention, I, I get up and take breaks. So I definitely think, um, you know, I'll plan out my day and I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, try to get this done, by ten fifteen, and then I'm gonna take a break and take a little walk, clear my head, come back, maybe do some lower level tasks, and then like set up the next, um, the next round of you know review or whatever I need to do for later that afternoon. Monastic, I mean, I think the reason that's called monastic, like only the monks can do that, right? I mean, how can you live all the time, your whole life, without any distractions? That That kind of is unrealistic, I think, for most people.
0: I think you would have to do it for periods of time. So maybe you could do it for two weeks and really get something done. And for example, um, Cal Newport, he's not on social media. He's like a CS um, at Georgetown. He's a CS professor at Georgetown. And you would think he'd be like high tech and like on social media a bunch, but he is not on social media. He got rid of it a while ago. And he gives a couple sort of extreme examples in the book of people who they don't have email. Like they're like, I'm not going to do email. And if you want to get in touch with me, you gotta find another way. And there's some, there's some ways to do it. But I mean, one of them is a college professor. Like, can you imagine Like at this point in time, not having an email and you're a college professor. I mean, that seems crazy.
1: Yeah, that's pretty odd. I actually, that reminds me, one of the ladies I worked with, you know, over a decade ago, she just just was like, I don't do email. And this was like an executive. And I, it was weird back then, but she's like, I don't, I don't answer my emails. I don't do email. If you want to, if you need something from me, find, find another way to get in touch with me.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm somewhere, I can't focus as well as Elizabeth. I'm not as disciplined and stuff, especially now that I'm working for myself, I tend to be more scattered. There's a lot more distractions, but I think I fall between uh, the bimodal and the rhythmic is, is what it's called. So... If I if I could do a better job, it would probably be closer to the bimodal. So I can get say four hours of something that I really have to concentrate on. Sometimes it may take me, you know, twenty or thirty or forty minutes to get in the right mindset to say write something. Like it may take me just a little while to fire on all cylinders, depending on what it is. Um, I think other times I have to do uh, the rhythmic approach where like I, I need to focus for a bit. I have to take a break and then maybe I have to do some of the low intensity activities depending on what's going on in my work day. So, so I think ideally I would love to do the monastic approach. And I think to, if I've had a big, piece of work. Like that is what I do. I like remove distractions maybe for a few days. And I think for me, and sometimes it may take like 20 or 30 minutes to get in the right mode, but if I could, I could make it stick around for a few days. If I'm say writing something really long, like an 80 page, uh, like book or something like that, I could really get a lot done like day over day. So the monastic approach is really, uh, good. Now,
1: See, and what's interesting is I think I might have pegged you as more journalistic. I think you tend to really pump it into gear when you've got a deadline like right in front of you.
0: You know what? I didn't even think of that. I was thinking like more ideally, but you're right, when I do have a deadline, I can sit and work for twelve hours straight. Yep. That's that's true. I forgot.
1: I think probably wouldn't you say most people are a combination of all of those?
0: Most likely. I think the four things, uh, the four methods here are without any constraints, like they're just approaches, but the reality is everyone has constraints. So one of the exercises or examples in the book is around time blocking, where basically you schedule your day in 30 minute blocks and you, it's going to be real messy at first, Because most people, especially me, underestimate how much time it takes to do things. And your schedule will will change. Things will happen that you can't control. So probably every day something is going to change. So there's a few pieces that make it hard to do. But if you can stick with it, a few things will happen. So I'm really bad at estimating how long it takes to do things. And I like when you write it down and you're like okay I need to move on to the next thing and you realize you're only a quarter of the way done then you have to figure out how to estimate better so you'll get better at estimating how long things take the other thing is you'll realize because of that you should probably just leave like gap in your schedule so schedule a certain amount of time leave some gap in there and if you finish something early well you can do those sort of lower level activities admin tasks um, you know, bookkeeping, sending emails, whatever. If you finish early, you could just move on to something else or take a break, which is good. In fact, in the book, it talks about being bored and like being able to work through ideas because you're bored, because you're not constantly thinking, trying to solve um, something. So
1: I saw that as well in my research. And I, I liked that tip. I also liked it. It was said something like scheduling time to think, and I, when I have had difficult problems that I'm working over, that is something that I actually do well. I literally will just go like sit outside somewhere and think, or I think the example I found was take a walk and let your mind, you know, mull over that problem. And so, you know, in this day and age, maybe sometimes when we think about like deep work, you're sitting in front of a computer, either writing or, you know, analyzing the spreadsheet or doing something like that, um, sometimes just thinking is actually the work.
0: Yep. And you got to let your brain have time to solve those problems, especially, I mean, if it was an obvious solution, you probably would have thought of it already. So you'll have to, uh, sort of mull over it and stuff. And the other thing with the scheduling and, and the fact that, you know, if you're time blocking your day and 30 minute increments, like it's going to change. So, you just have to deal with it. And it's not a waste of time to schedule um, the time blocks. It's just if something changes, if someone is unavailable to meet when they said, then you'll probably just need to shuffle things around in the way that uh, Cal Newport does it in the book. Basically, you get a sheet of paper, you put your initial schedule on the left side, and then if something changes, you could just reschedule it on the right side. So you just have to deal with it. And it's, like I said, not a waste of time to schedule it. It's just um, going through the exercise helps you in various ways and helps you uh, get the work done.
1: So something else I found when I was researching about this time blocking, I don't know what I thought about this, but they called it the 20% less rule. Does he talk about that?
0: Not that I recall.
1: So it's, it's like, if you think you're going to need an hour to do something, schedule 20% less time. So schedule 48 minutes. Um, That was some quick math in my head there. I believe it's correct, but schedule 20% less. And then that will like kick you into deep work and working harder because, you know, you thought it was going to take an hour, but you're only giving yourself 48 minutes. I don't know how I felt about that.
0: Right. Right. I like the idea of uh, it's like Parkinson's law or something like that, where you like the work will expand to the amount of time or contract to the amount of time that you have. But if you're like me and you like chronically underestimate stuff, yeah. well then my whole schedule would be fucked because then I would underestimate it and then I wouldn't have enough time.
1: <laughs> but I liked it said adding a sense of urgency to the task is like doing interval training for your mind.
0: Nice interval training for the mind. Yes.
1: I don't know. I, I, yeah. this is a new concept to me, but I thought that was like maybe once you feel better about your estimating, it's sort of like that horrible product I told you about for the shower. Um, this is the worst product ever. So it's like a timer for your shower and it starts out at like 10 minutes and then slowly, like you, so you get out of the shower when the light turns red or something like that. And then slowly over time, it'll cut like 15 seconds off your shower. And so, you know, then you're taking five minute showers. I'm like, that's the worst
0: That is bad product
1: ever, but like to slowly wean yourself into like showering faster. Sorry. I know that's not deep work, but like, Sort of like the interval training for your mind. You like train yourself to do things faster.
0: I have two great thoughts on that. So they should also make the water get colder <laughs> towards the end of the shower. So you're like, I got to get out of here. That's this true. is
1: fucking freezing. Oh, here. that's a horrible uh, thing. What what else?
0: The other thing is uh, great ideas come in the shower. So why would you want to limit that time?
1: Oh, that is good thinking time. You're right. right. Yeah. So you no yeah. distractions, no phone in the shower. Right. You you don't take your phone in the shower, do you?
0: No. no. Is it it waterproof? It is waterproof, but no, no, I don't. In fact, I was going to say, I heard, uh, I can't remember who it was. um, They were saying that they got uh, like an Amazon Echo or Alexa or whatever it's called um, so that they can like schedule stuff and like, I guess, like listen to music and uh, get the weather while they're in the shower. Like, so they could like yell, yell to uh, Alexa. Hey, Alexa, pass the soap. I don't Whatever. want to
1: judge anyone, but that's weird. You sure that's not someone whose wife was just named Alexa?
0: I don't think so. <laughs> I have also seen, um, it's like a shower curtain with a little pouch on, uh, on the outside where you could set your phone in there and then like control it through the clear plastic. No. So you could like watch uh, YouTube videos or maybe listen to uh, your, actually send us a note if you're listening to this while you're uh, showering <laughs> or bathing.
1: You know, okay, you know, to each their own, to each their own.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I have listened to music um, in the shower before.
1: Yeah, back in like the uh, the 80s, it was a big deal to have one of those suction cup shower radios or whatever, getting the FM. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I guess so.
1: That's what, uh, yeah, I, that's what people our age call it, the FM.
0: <laughs> the FM, nice. Yeah. All right. Any other tips on uh, deep work or focusing?
1: No. (laughs) I I haven't read the book, but um, it sounds interesting. And I'm also always intrigued whenever Doug says I do something very well, because the compliments from Doug are few and far between. So, (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so here is one thing that I wanted to point out. So let's say you're in. You're like, I do need to improve on my deep work and schedule it. And let's say you're in. That's great. However, and I, this is a quote, so I'm just going to read it out. So the ability to concentrate intensely is a skill that must be trained. This idea might sound obvious once it's pointed out, but it represents a departure of how most people understand such matters. In my experience, It's common to treat undistracted concentration as a habit, like flossing, something that you know how to do and you know is good for you, but you've been neglecting it due to the lack of motivation. Uh, This is uh, Doug talking again. Uh, We both floss uh, every day. So just want to make that clear (laughs) for the record um, if my dentist is listening. Okay, back to the quote here. This mindset is appealing because it implies you can transform your working life from a distract or from distracted to focused overnight, if you can simply muster the motivation. But that understanding ignores the difficulty of focus and the hours of practice necessary to strengthen your mental muscle. The creative insights, uh, blah blah blah. So basically, you can't just flip a switch and say, "Hey, I'm going to start concentrating for four hours a day." If you're used to only doing two hours a day. And I think this perhaps um, is where you and I can excel. Like I said, I can literally sit down. I can't do it every day, but I can sit down and work for many hours straight, taking a few breaks, and you can try and talk to me, right? I think you have tried to walk in walk in my office while I'm working. <laughs> And you'll come in here and you'll ask me a question and I just don't talk. And I've done the same to you where you're doing something and I'll come up and just try and ask you something. And it's like, you're not even uh, like you're in another world. It's like we've shut out like external distractions. And I think for me, I mean, I, I had to do a lot of uh, deep work in college and I, I don't know if you had to do a, a ton of that. I think I had to work harder um, in college because my brain's smaller than Elizabeth's.
1: <laughs> okay. So I actually, as you brought that up, I was thinking I do have one tip. If you're going to try and do deep work at home or somewhere where other people are around, spouses, kids, whatever it'd be good to communicate that to them and come up with some sort of plan. Because, as Doug said, I will come in and talk to him. And I have gotten some rather terse replies a few times because um, he's in the middle of deep work and I've distracted him. And now he has to start all over, which is fine. I understand. But you can't expect someone to know that that's what you're doing. So, I, you know, for a while I was like, can I talk? Hey, hey. Can I talk to you right now?
0: And boom, um, already distracted, yeah, even exactly. if you do that.
1: So if there's um, like a a place in the house where, you know, when, when you're in that place, everyone knows that they should leave you alone um, unless it's an emergency. But like communicate that with people that you're trying to do, because it's not very fair to yell at your loved ones. <laughs> if they just want to be your friend and they don't realize that you're in the middle of quote unquote deep work and I think we should put a sign up on the door because sometimes Doug is in here just goofing off. I'll be on it. He is. He's just in here goofing off checking his uh, Instagram accounts or whatever. So how do I know like when I can talk to him and when I can't I guess I can just never talk to him. So that's where we have fallen. This is a this is our one conversation for the week right here, and then he's going back monastic.
0: <laughs> right, I thought we had. That's like, why he
1: shaves his head too. He can't be distracted by hair. No way.
0: That's right. I thought we had like the dorm room, uh, like sort of system where I put a sock on the doorknob, and then you know.
1: <laughs> I know you're in there with a girl.
0: I'm working. <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. But right. yeah, that's my one tip. It it just if you're gonna try some of this stuff at certain times, just involve other people if they're going to be around you so they know and then they can help. And that's a way to minimize your
0: distractions. All right. So just a quick recap. So you can try and time block uh, your schedule. Like I said, it's going to be rough. It's going to be sloppy. You're going to make mistakes. But if you power through it, you'll get better. That, too, is a skill. The other thing is uh, you know set yourself up for success by limiting distractions. Um figure out what your distractions are, whether they are family members or dogs like Georgie, um, who actually distracts me all day long. Um, she'll come up and put her her uh, cute little face on my lap. And she's like, come on, take me for a walk. So, you got to figure that out, figure out how to turn that on do not disturb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no do not disturb on Georgie. But um, I'm losing focus here right now. <laughs> the other thing you could do, so limit distractions and focusing is a skill. You may need to, you know, work yourself up from, uh, you know, t- a 20-minute focus session to you know longer sessions, and it'll take time. It's not just a decision. It's a skill you have to develop.
1: I'm not sure if this will stay in, but here is the audio of the great clip about deep work from The Shining.
0: Yes. Hey, the weather forecast said it's going to snow tonight.
1: What do you want me to do about it? Oh, come on, honorable
0: Don't be so grouchy.
1: I'm not being grouchy. I just want to finish my work.
0: Okay, I understand. I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you, and maybe you'll let me read something then. Wendy, uh, let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me, and it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Yeah fine and we're gonna make a new rule whenever i'm in here you hear me typing whether you don't hear me typing what the the fuck you hear me doing in here when i'm in here that means that i am working that means don't come in how do you think you can handle that yeah fine why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here That was Jack Torrance, the original deep worker there. Yeah, so if you haven't checked out The Shining, uh, you should watch it. It's, uh, It's a classic movie. And, um, funny thing is that's not like a uh, it's not supposed to be like a funny scene or anything. In fact, m- most of the movie is pretty dramatic and it's a bit of a thriller, you know, a psychological thriller. but it now that I'm like stepping back and, and thinking how hilarious we thought that clip was in relation to deep work, um, it makes me wonder about myself because uh, you know, he's going crazy there. But anyway, it's a fine movie and little known fact. Actually, it's maybe it's uh, more well known than than I realized, but uh another classic movie was partially filmed in the Stanley Hotel, which I mentioned before out of Estes Park, Colorado. And that is the uh, actually another one of my favorite movies, uh, the classic movie with Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber. It's uh Jim Carrey and what was the other guy? Uh not Jeff Bridges. Is that that who it was? I'll have to check on that. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right here. It was Jeff Daniels. Jeff Bridges is the dude from uh, The Big Lebowski. So anyway, Dumb and Dumber, another one of my just favorite movies. And they filmed um, like the the external hotel shot. Um, That is the Stanley Hotel. And I imagine some people are going to Google and check out the Stanley. Um, Yeah you'll be able to recognize it right away and they also filmed um like the bar scene inside the little restaurant and bar which turns out is an excellent super awesome whiskey bar very uh, uh, very huge selection and i mean there's there's whiskeys that that you probably wouldn't have heard of unless you're you know really into it which i'm not necessarily but i can enjoy some uh, you know dark liquor so anyway back to uh, deep work a little bit. And when you, I guess when you put all of the things together that we've talked about in uh, the productivity parts one and two, and then today, a lot of it is like sitting down, doing the work that you're supposed to do, and not getting distracted by all the things that can distract you, whether it's, you know, things that you bring upon yourself with social media, or maybe you have your phone next to you and it's constantly buzzing and notifications are popping up, which at this point in time, I've basically turned off like all notifications. I don't accept phone calls basically, unless you're on my favorites list. So not even, not even if you're in my phone book but i only accept it if it's like an immediate family member and if you don't leave a message then i end up blocking your number there's so many like robo calls out there but the point is i've sort of i've realized like how susceptible i am to you know being distracted and like i said your phone is just it's so hard because <laughs> it's, it's critical, you know, it's critical in a lot of ways and I use it as a tool and as a productivity device. Uh, but at the same time, double edged sword, I mean, because of all those capabilities, it's like you're hyper connected. So, yeah, if you could limit distractions, usually you're going to be better off. You're going to be able to get more things done. And generally, you know, without those distractions, you um, it may take a couple of days to, to sort of detox, but you end up like feeling just calmer and less stressed. And I've definitely felt that, you know, part of, uh, I listen to a ton of podcasts, right? Um, I go through spells and sometimes uh, I listen to... Um, you know, three, four podcasts in a day, depending on, you know, what I have going on that day. And then it may go a stretch a week or two, you know, once I get sort of overloaded and I'm like, you know what, I need some time to think. Today was a day like that. And I actually walked Georgie uh, this morning for about an hour, didn't have any headphones on. um, And we just walked outside because it was nice, you know. Um, And other days I may be listening to an audio book. And I'm just. This is just stream of consciousness going on right now. But um, podcasts are great. I'm glad you're listening right now. However, uh, I also highly encourage you to check out audiobooks because they are a little bit more polished, as you can imagine. And they all the content has gone through a you know pretty rigid editing process. So it's a little bit more refined. So I believe not a hundred percent of the time, but I believe most of the time, if you listen to an audiobook, you're gonna have like higher quality information um going into your brain versus you know podcasts. You may have someone like me who is uh you know hopped up on caffeine, rambling about something that may or may not be related. And in fact, right now I don't even know how I'm gonna end this sentence. So with an audio book, the, uh, the narrator, they know how they're going to end the sentence because they've gone through all that long editing process. So I think maybe that is the signal for the end of the show. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Don't forget, there's one more part in this productivity series on prioritizing. So like I said, when you put it all together, it's like, don't get distracted. But like, if you could, if you could do all the things that we've talked about, You still got to figure out what you're going to work on. What is the highest priority thing? Because if you don't, you could still end up uh, not where you want to be. So we will catch you next time. Tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. And have a great day.